Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. Well, welcome on this uh, last day of Unleavened Bread, the seventh and last day of Unleavened Bread. In Exodus 12 and verse 51, it says, And it shall come to pass the selfsame day, and it came to pass, excuse me, the selfsame day that the Lord did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. So what I want to talk about is coming out of Egypt. And we all understand that for us, Egypt is a type of sin. And, uh, you know, the, the, the symbols are really beautiful symbols there that of a process that has occurred to us. You know, Egypt is a type of sin that they were to come out of. Moses is a type of Christ. Uh, Pharaoh is a type of Satan, the devil, that chased after them. I think that's an important point that, that uh, you know, just because you're baptized, just because you go down in the waters of baptism doesn't mean that Satan just says, well, I give up. You know, it's, I think Henry said that it's like a bullseye on your back. I mean, he's, he's aware of, of your potential. And your potential, our potential, is great to become children of God. And of course, the Red Sea, they walk through it, dry shod, that's a type of baptism for us. So there's a lot of symbolism there with the Days of Unleavened Bread of what what's went on. But the most important concept we can understand is Egypt was a type of sin and it is God's will that we come out of sin. Am I saying that we can be perfect? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that there is victory in Christ Jesus. So Romans 6 and verse 1 tell, tells us this. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. That's right. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So there's a new way. It's, it's, we're familiar with the old way that we, we live. Um, the lust of the flesh, yielding to sin. And, uh, you know, you don't correct that overnight, by the way. Uh, even with the Spirit of God, it's a process. It took you, you know, depending on when you were baptized, you know, it took you 40 years to get into that mess, and now it's going to take some time to, 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 to get out of it. But I think most people stop with the representation of the Passover. You know, it, it's, it's, okay, I've got God's grace. That's all, all there is to it. But this, this scripture says, what shall we th say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So I want to look at solutions and pitfalls for coming out of Egypt, coming out of sin. All right, the first solution we're going to look at is God's grace is the source of your strength. It is the source of our strength. I mean, if we're going to start anywhere about coming out of sin, we're going to have to realize, okay, God's grace is the source of my strength. It's not that I have it within me. 
to do this. I must trust God to help me overcome sin. Romans 8 and verse 1. Romans 8 and verse 1. There, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, and that's, that's talking about you and me, that's the weakness, the flesh, okay. Uh, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is, what did Jesus say? He said the flat flesh is just weak, <laughs> yeah, thumbs down, it's just, just not, not hitting on much. Uh, uh, God sending us on son in the likeness of sinful flesh, for sin condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according, but after the Spirit. Now, we might, might want to ask the question, okay, Spirit of God, every day, I think this is important, you know, Spirit of God, how do you want me to walk today? It's a good, start, a good way to start your life. I mean, a good way to start your day, excuse me. You know, Lord, how does the Holy Spirit want me to walk today? What does the Holy Spirit want me to do? What does the Holy Spirit want me to say? You know, give me the opportunities to do, say, witness, whatever it may be. But there is no condemnation. I love that verse. Because I'm, I'm one that, for some, some strange reason, is I'm often critical of myself. I am my own worst <laughs> critic. I can guarantee you that. If there's a critic out there, he's looking in the mirror. You know, when I look in the mirror, that's, that's where he's at. It, it's, it, I'm good at criticizing myself. Uh, nothing is ever good enough. Now, there are two major sources of condemnation. I talked about this on the first day of Unleavened Bread. The first source is the lies we tell ourselves. And it was one book I read said that the average person tells himself 200 lies a day. Think about that. 200 lies, a day. that's a lot of lying about yourself. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, too, I'm, too, I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too this, I'm too that. Uh, and I think one of the greatest, out of all those lies, Often the greatest lies are, there is something wrong with me. And I talked on the first day of Unleavened Bread, I said, what if you could look in the mirror every day and look, look at you and say, there is nothing wrong with me. How would that change your life? How would you live your life different if you could say, look, there's nothing wrong with me. Okay, this verse says there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Who walk after the Spirit? The second source of condemnation is the accuser of the brethren. And of course, that, 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 we know who that is. That's Revelation 12 and verse 10. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accuses them before our God day and night. You know, this satanic spirit doesn't give up on us. I mean, it's, it's day. It's at nighttime also, the accuser of, our, you know, of the brethren, which is the one who is good at condemning us, the one who condemns us night and day, is none other than Satan. So it's important to ask yourself the question, is this thing I'm thinking a lie directly from the pit of hell? And to ask that question on a daily basis, why am I thinking this about myself? Especially if it's, if it's a lot of negative feedback that you're getting. Where is this coming from? Who's the instigator? 
Is it, is it just something I'm coming up with? Now, there is self-correction. I think self-correction is a good thing if you've made a mistake. But condemnation, where is that coming from? Is it coming directly from the pit of hell? You want to ask that question. So these are the tactics for which we are, we are to fight against evil. It's important to know this verse, 1 John 4 and verse 4. And I know I'm going to this sort of quickly, but uh, since we're video and I don't, I don't want the lag time, if, if you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's a beautiful verse. You know, it gives us confidence to know greater is he that, in, is he that is in you, that's Jesus Christ, than he that is in the world. You've got a greater source of power. You've got the power in you. You ever, you know, sometimes discernment is important. You ever met a person and you just get bad vibes about that person? Some just don't feel right, you know? And, you know, I think we need to pay attention to that because uh, it, it could be a spirit of discernment that you have that those vibes, where are those vibes coming from? I've gotten bad vibes from reading an email. Because it started out as, this guy's a nut, I mean, who is writing me. You know, and I've gotten bad vibes from that and not felt good about it. It's something that I read. So, first solution coming out of Egypt. God's grace is the source of your strength. Number two, be an overcomer. We are expected to be a, an overcomer. Have you ever thought about the children of Israel? Why did... All they seemed to do was complain, lack of trust, lack of faith in God's power. It just seemed like that was just the way they thought, and it was hard for them to break out of that mode. Um, they witnessed God's power over and over again. You think about the miracles they saw, and yet, and then get this, because I think this applies to us. When they became uncomfortable for a moment, <laughs> that's when the lack of trust, the lack of faith in God's power, and the complaining set in. When they became a little bit uncomfortable. We don't like what we got to eat. Too much bread, too much manna. We don't like this, we don't like that. A little uncomfortable, un not being comfortable in your life. So. So think about that in your relationship with God. Do we reveal to God, God looks at us and says, boy, you mean that, that, that's all it took to get you to, to lack faith in me and trust me and believe in me and that's all it took to cause you to murmur against me is that you just, you were a little bit uncomfortable? Also think about the enemy. You know, the enemy looks at us and says, oh boy, I, I got this guy, hook, line, and sinker. All I got to do is shoot a little, you know, just a little bit of being uncomfortable. Things not going quite right. And there goes his trust. There goes his faith. There goes his lack of, you know, he, he starts complaining again. I got, I got him hook, line, and sinker. So just think about that. Okay, overcoming. I'm going to go through these quickly, but I will give you the verses because uh, it's many of them in the book of Revelation. Is, is overcoming important to God? Overcome what? 
well, obviously overcome our sins, but there's, there's a lot of things we got to work on. There's a lot of things we need to work on. We might have anger issues. We might have lustful issues. We might have this. We might have that. There's all kinds of things that we struggle with. Believe me. Revelation 2 and verse 7, And to him that overcomes will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Revelation 2 and verse 11, He that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. These are incredible promises, by the way. Revelation 2 and verse 17, To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and the stone uh, a new name written, which no man knows save he that receives it. Revelation 2 and verse 26, And he that overcometh and keeps my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. I've always liked that verse, power over the nations. There's a lot of things, I, if I had the power, I would like to correct. All I have now is just an opinion. You know, that, that doesn't get you very far, by the way, your opinion. You know, but, but I would like to have power to, ch to make. To, have you ever looked at something wrong in society and, say, and said, I wish I could change that? Not that you shouldn't try. I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't try. What, what I'm saying is, a lot of times, what's lacking is the power to do so. Uh, and so, I, I'm, you know, this, this is a, a wonderful scripture. Revelation 3 and verse 5, He that overcomes the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before the, his angels. Revelation 21 and verse 7, He that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Here's a family relationship, you know, a child-son relationship with God. And it is the power of the Holy Spirit and God's grace that enables us to be an overcomer. I think, you know, we don't do it on our own strength. We understand that. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. One of Satan's deception is to make you think overcoming is impossible. Overcoming temptation is impossible. It's just going to get harder and harder and harder. That's a lie directly from the pit of hell. It's like building muscles. It's like endurance training. You know, once it's hard at first, yeah, but it does get a little bit easier the more you strengthen yourself. Temptation is like that. You know, it, it, it's not, yeah, when you first are baptized, because of 40 years of doing things the wrong way, it may be tough at first, and, but it's going to get easier. It doesn't get harder and harder. It gets easier and easier and not harder and harder. But that's a lie that comes from the pit of hell that it will always be difficult. It will always be nearly impossible for you to overcome this. For, you know, that struggle will not get any easier. That's a lie. You get, it, 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 it gets easier and easier. Solutions and pitfalls for coming out of Egypt. Again, the Days of Unleavened Bread is about putting unleavened bread in our lives, which represents Christ, and putting the leavening out, which represents sin. That's, that's the symbolism of the Days of Unleavened Bread. Okay. Pitfall number three is what I call, Rondart referred to as the crumb hunt. Um, it's obsessive-compulsive, where we get almost too much into the letter 
of, of the law and, not, and miss the spirit of what God really wants. And I got to read all these labels. I got to search this and search that and do the, you know, I don't answer these questions, but I'm going to ask you some questions here. How many of you, no, don't, again, don't answer. Uh, I don't want you to embarrass yourself about it. Okay. How many of you remember to blow out your toaster? You know, in that toaster, that thing has got a little tray for crumbs. <laughs> well, first of all, you got to have a compressor to do it. But I, I, I did blow mine out. All right, how many of you remember your vacuum bag? You know, because uh, <laughs> that thing, I got a central vacuum system, and, and I only have to dump it once a year, but that thing uh, builds up uh, some stuff. How about your vehicles? Now, my work vehicle has gotten enough crumbs and crackers that I could probably bake a loaf of bread out of that thing. I mean, that's just, it's, it's unreal, and I had to clean it out, and it just, it was unreal, but to get all that out. But sometimes we can be obsessive over these things. Compulsive, obsessive. You know, it's like, I'm switching gears here to another subject, but like pork byproducts. I've heard people, like a vitamin that you take, the capsule might have, in the, not in the vitamin, but in the capsule, it might have a pork byproduct in it. And to me, when I hear people obsessing over these things, a red flag goes up. And my question is, are you as obsessive about overcoming sin as you are this, this thing over here? What about, okay, the real issues, you know. They say that leavening is in the air that we breathe because you're sort of not going to get away from that stuff. But, you know, of course, Henry tells a story about people, you know, people will even ask, I, I, someone asked me this year, you know, what about beer? Because it's made with yeast. And, and, you know, Henry always said, you know, it's the days of unleavened bread, not the days of unleavened beer. Okay, don't, don't miss that point. But uh, the days of unleavened bread are just symbols of what God truly wants. Okay. You know, to put Christ in and to put sin out. If you could keep, if you could get rid of all the leavening and keep these days perfectly, Okay, that's good. That's, that's the letter, but it is the spirit of what these days represent that God is concerned about. Okay, don't, don't overlook that. Because sometimes people just get hung up on, on this one issue. And my question is, are you that deeply concerned? Are you, do you obsessively, compulsively deal with sin in your life in the same manner that you're dealing with the, you know, everything in the, as far as unleavened bread and getting it all out and all that. God uses these days to alert, uh, alert us just how easy it is to fall short in sin. I'm, I'm convinced of that. You know, he, he uses these days to alert us just how easy it is to slip up. Rebecca told about working out, you know, in the, in the gym where she, 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 that she lives. And they share an apartment, a three-bedroom apartment with, with three couples. How she tolerates that, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but she came in from working out, she was hungry. You know, the little temptation right there. And, one, and the other couple that don't keep these days offered her something to eat, it was, it was a wrap. And she said, oh yeah, I'm starving. And it wasn't until after she ate it, she figured out, you know, oh, oh I shouldn't have eaten that, you know. So uh, uh, Henry used to talk about, you know, going to the drive-thru window, you know, he's got the burger right here. 
getting ready to take it. And he looks at it and says, oops, I can't eat this. <laughs> got, that, got it that close. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is to overcome sin, you really have to be on your toes. You really have to. This is something that you've got to think about to be an overcomer. All right, next one, number four, coming out of Egypt. This one is um, Revelation 18 and verse 4. And I heard another voice saying from heaven, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, that you receive not her plagues. You know, this is referring to what is, you know, the mystery Babylonian religion. Religious deception is something we have to come out of also. It's easy to overlook. This says, come out of her, my people. What does that mean? It means you're already in it. You're already in it. Whether you realize, you were born into a ready-made world of religion. It was already wrapped up in a nice package. It was easy to accept. Often it's something like, just believe, just accept, just invite Jesus into your heart. That's it. And, you know, that's just, don't think about it after that, you know. But you were born, we were all born into a ready-made world of religion. And, you know, things like the abandonment of God's Sabbath day, which is a fact. The abandonment of God's holy days. You know, there are things, you know, some of the, maybe the pagan holidays are all that. Halloween in church, you, you heard of that? Halloween in church, you know? Halloween should not be in church. These are things you've got to come out of. So... Religious deception. You know, all this you were born into. And God says, come out of her, my people. We often don't look at religious deception as something we must come out of, but it is. You know, Egypt had their own religion. If you have ever studied the, the, the religion of Egypt, it, it gets strange. It's, it's some weird stuff in there, you know, they, especially about dying and, and I don't know if it's an immortal soul or what they believed about, but, but they would actually go to the tombs or the temple, not the temple, but the pyramids and they would leave certain like food objects and stuff because they believed that the spirit came back and maybe you had to nourish them or something like that. But it, it was really strange. But Egypt had its own religion and they had to come out of Egypt and the greatest hoax in mainstream Christianity is Christ freed us from the law. No, Christ freed us from the penalty of breaking God's law. That's what he freed us from. It wasn't the law that he freed us from. It was the penalty for breaking God's law. What's the penalty? Death. Okay, that's what he freed us from. There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Number five, coming out of Egypt, be alert and watch. When I think about why they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, I often think, well, they could not see the bigger picture. They couldn't see the bigger picture. Why couldn't they see the bigger picture? When they, when they saw the miracles that God did, the opening up of the Red Sea, fed, being fed for 40 years with manna, why couldn't they see the big, bigger picture? And I think it's a, it's often, it's a, it's, it's an issue maybe, this might have applied to them. In my own life, like on my YouTube channel, I can get 40 compliments. And the compliments just go right over my head. <laughs> but it's the one negative comment that I'm going to focus on. 
I don't know. It's human. Is it human nature? Why, why, why do we do that? And I wonder if the children of Israel were not like so. I mean, they, 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 could, they could see the miracles, but it was that one time they felt uncomfortable. And they throw in the towel. So that's it. I'm complaining. God is no good. I'm complaining against God with lack of faith. You know, they said what, what, what could have taken 11 days took 40 years in the wilderness. A straight shot would have been 11 days or 14. I forget what, but it's somewhere around 11 days. But God sent them around the mulberry bush for 40 years. They could have got there in 11 days. But they just were looking, they couldn't see the bigger picture. So are we able to see the bigger picture of what God is doing in our life? I think sometimes we're too busy to see it. And therefore, we often, because we don't see the bigger picture, we blame God, we murmur, we're, we feel uncomfortable, and then we start to blame God and complain, and we're, we're failing to see the bigger picture. So, question is, what is keeping you from seeing the bigger picture beyond your adversity? We all have adversity in our lives, you know? You go through you know, the death of a loved one, that's advers adversity, it's painful, it hurts. But what's, what's beyond that? What's the bigger picture? Well, the bigger picture is beautiful when you think about, you know, the reuniting, uh, the you know, resurrection. Uh, but are we able to see the bigger picture of what God is doing in your life? Number six, coming out of Egypt, don't look back. Don't look back. That was Boston. Uh, had to mention that was one of my favorite bands. Okay. <laughs> don't look back. We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers, the melons, and the leeks, and the onions, and the garlics. But now our soul, notice this attitude, now our soul is dried away, and there is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. You know, they say, so they're looking back and remembering when they had a little bit of comfort with the fish and the melon, and, and yet they were slaves in Egypt. They worked seven days a week. And they're looking back to this little thing right here. You know, they say with overcoming addictions that often it's difficult because we develop a relationship with our addictions. And when we try to get free, there's a part of us that wants to go back and hang on to that thing. It's like losing a friend, a, a long lost friend when we try to come out of Egypt, when we try to come out of sin, when we try to come out of an addiction. There's something that, that grabs hold of, and we, we have memories of pleasure. And so it's, it's like losing something in your life, a loss. I told a story a long time ago about driving down the road and this dog ran out in front of me dragging uh, on its collar a chain that was bouncing the road as it, it ran across you know, and that, that chain represented that at one time that dog was in bondage. You know, he was tied to, tied to a stake. He was tied to a, a dog house, and, and yet he was carrying his chain with him. And I think sometimes we, we do the same thing. Philippians 3 and verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me, and reaching forth into those things which are before. So the question we might want to ask ourselves is are we still dragging the chains of Egypt behind us? Last one, number seven. This one may seem counterproductive. 
But here it is. Learn to give thanks for your Egypt experience and your wilderness journey. Learn to give thanks. Now, this is, I didn't say this was easy. I'm just saying it, it's a good idea. Learn to give thanks for your Egypt experience and your wilderness journey because chances are, there's not even a chance, it's a, it's a reality. The thing that God use, uses to build character in us is those things. The bondage, the coming out, the wilderness journey, that's the very thing. And I think had the children of Israel done this, they would have been in a lot better position. You know, Lord, I don't know why I'm going through this. I'm clueless as to why I'm going through this. I hate this manna. Been eating it so long, you know. And even though I see these little miracles that you're doing, you know, I, I, I just don't quite understand it. You know, it says their shoes didn't wear out on their feet for 40 years. You know, I think it was Ron Dart said that they probably looked at those sandals and said, I must have done an exceptionally good job at choosing the, the leather on this thing because they hadn't worn out for 40 years. You know, they probably took the credit for it, by the way. <laughs> okay. Uh, learn to give thanks for your Egypt experience and your wilderness journey because sometimes that's the very thing that, I mean, obviously, I wasn't going to come out of sin on my own. I had to go through, God had to do things in my life to change me. And it, it, it is a wilderness journey. It is a, a, that journey out of Egypt is, is not always a pleasant experience. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 18 in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I think until we learn to give thanks for our Egypt experience, we may never be free from the chains of Egypt. So coming out of Egypt, to just rehearse, number one, God's grace is the source of our strength. Number two, be an overcomer. Number three, don't be too compulsive, obsessive with the crumb hunt. Uh, the days of unleavened bread are just symbols of what God truly wants to put Christ in, to put sin out. Number four, religious deception. Come out of her, my people. That's, that's part of coming out of Egypt. Number five, be alert and watch. Number six, don't look back. Number seven, learn to give thanks for your Egypt experience and your wilderness journey. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net.